fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You are darn right it is. It is another wonderful, outstanding, that's what we at least call ourselves, episode of the Voice of Reason, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. We love you to death. Welcome them aboard and great to have you today we got a lot to get to to talk about bottom of the hour mark morano he'll be joining us he is the author of the book the great reset what is the great reset who's behind the great reset how did it get started and what is the ultimate agenda and goal for it we'll talk about that coming up here at the bottom in just a little bit plus i want to get your thoughts on a lot of issues obviously the big news today which our mainstream media here in the United States has stopped all of the partisanship of how evil Donald Trump is. They've stopped all the lies about the Mar-a-Lago raid from the FBI and the Biden administration. They have stopped the defending of the Joe Biden for momentarily on his Nazi, fascist, crazy, big government mentality trying to control. They have ceased all of that temporarily to give us the big breaking story of the day. What's trending today? Big trending story of the day, obviously, that happened just a few hours ago that was officially announced was that Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom has officially died at the age of 96, the longest lasting monarch of the UK, as she had her reign as queen for 70 years. Can you imagine? She became queen of England at the age of 26 years old, reigned for 70 years, and has now officially passed away at 96. Now, first and foremost, thoughts and prayers to the family. Obviously, they knew something was going to happen at some point. She's 96 years old. So it was, you know, obviously she was getting up there and it was going to be at some point here relatively soon. And we all potentially knew that. Second off, after our condolences, as she was a leader of England for a very long time, which I I use that very loosey-goosey terms because, honestly, what does the king or queen really do in England anymore? They're more of a showcase. They're more of the family that just has royalties that do whatever the hell they want to do. I don't know what responsibilities they have other than maybe going around and doing ribbon cuttings and speeches and making people feel good. But Parliament, as far as I am aware, although I am no expert in UK politics, Parliament pretty much handles everything. I don't know what the king and queen do. I don't believe that they are like the acting president that signs executive orders or that signs bills into law. They might. I don't know. But they're more of just the celebrity status, which I tell you what, for a celebrity status, holy cow, do you have a lot of money, a lot of power, and a lot of authority for a family that just like hangs out all the time and just showcases yourself and makes your appearance at somewhere and everybody just loves you to death? Um I mean, that's cool. Thoughts and prayers, condolences to Queen Elizabeth II, and welcome aboard to King Charles III, which is really crazy because he could have chosen any of his names, which his name, can you imagine his name, is Charles Philip Arthur George. Who names your who names yourself four names? What parents, like, I'm going to name you four names, and they're all going to be first names. Charles Philip Arthur George. That way you can choose any one of them that you actually want. Um, so he's apparently the new king. And our media here in the United States has gone wall-to-wall coverage with this news. 
I guess that's cool. Obviously, it's important news for people to be aware of. Is it really essential for us to do wall-to-wall coverage of this? We do not live in the United Kingdom. Most of us, outside of, that's interesting, thoughts and prayers of the family, outside of that, we don't care. In fact, we stopped caring in 1776 about what the United Kingdom was doing. Now, they are an ally, so obviously we're going to spend some attention to them. We're going to focus on them a little bit, I guess, you know, to say, hey, one of our allies in the world has had a transition of power because the the monarch, the longest lasting monarch in American or in U.S. history, U.S. history in U.K. history, uh, has passed. Cool. That should be the news. End of story. Move on. Let's talk about what Washington D.C. is doing. Let's talk about what's going on in our own country. Let's talk about that in our mainstream media because, to me, that's kind of an important issue. So, Queen Elizabeth II has passed away at 96 today. And our mainstream media think that that is the most important thing on the face of the earth, which really, to me, shows the mentality that they have that they are dying. Not literally. They are dying, no pun intended on that one. They are desperate for a monarch in this nation to have the same power and authority because they love that style of governance. Obviously, they're pushing socialism, so they want a cluster of individuals, that ruling class, to really dictate and uh, be those controlling individuals in this entire nation. So that way, they can be the ones to chase them around like the paparazzi and make them real, really, really fancy and important and really special. And why the hell don't we just get on board and do that like other nations? They do not like the fact that we have a limited government. They do not like the fact that we don't have a centralized power with the federal government for every single issue and the fact that we don't have a monarch like that can just walk around and be the celebrity status that's why they just drooled over someone like barack obama and they despised someone like donald trump what a big difference there isn't it barack obama was the ruling class barack obama was the cool suave guy that everybody loved and he did have that celebrity rock star status like the king and queen and princes do over in the uk then donald trump comes along and while he may be rich he came over and he talked about working with the middle class he had experience of building his trump tower and being on the floor with all the construction workers with his son driving one of the forklifts he was one of the average joe schmoes and they hated that they hated that I'm not talking partisan politics here, either Republican, Democrat. I'm just talking elites and non-elites because the elites truly feel that they are above the regular human beings. So God bless you, Queen Elizabeth II. Welcome aboard King Charles III. What does that have to do with American politics? That's our bit. The thoughts and prayers to the family. Outside of that, why the mainstream media is covering this 24-7 blows my mind because to me, I don't really care. Got to be honest. I just don't really care. Not a big issue to me. There's a lot of other things to talk about today, which is what we're going to do on this program with the latest in what's trending. What's trending today? actual trending, not fake trending with the mainstream media trying to tell you what's important for you to focus on. The big one is that the media has, shocker, here's the headline of the day that shakes up the entire society, that the media has lied to you. Are you 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 aware of that? I'm sure our listeners here, they're not uh, too concerned or too surprised about the fact that they've lied to you and they've tried to cover their tracks a little bit and they averted a crisis. Here's what I mean. California has averted a crisis. The mainstream media has averted a crisis. The entire Democrat Party and their entire platform has averted a major crisis in the state of California. Andy, what do you mean? They averted a crisis, according to even the headlines. 
from the L.A. Times and the New York Times and all the other major media outlets. Here's the headline from the L.A. Times right now. California averts a widespread rolling blackout as energy demands ease amid the heat wave. Now, I live in Kansas. I'm in the middle of the country. We've been battling a heat wave for months this entire summer. It's been up in the triple digits, if not right at that border of the triple digit weather. Uh, It's been dry. It's been hot. It's been sunny. It's been miserable. I've told you many times before, I am glow-in-the-dark white, and I really enjoy my wintertime when it's 20 degrees outside when I can still wear my T-shirt and my shorts. This triple-digit weather, man, makes me painstakingly have to go outside to mow my yard, which my neighbors really hate me because I try and put it off as much as possible. (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. But California is now battling some of that extreme heat still. They're in a massive drought still, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Well, over the last couple days, they have told their residents in the state of California to ease off on using the air conditioner, to ease off using electricity, because they were concerned about rolling blackouts in the state. Andy, what does this have anything to do with them averting a crisis? Well, here's what I mean. They were telling individuals to not turn on their air conditioner during the extreme heat because they were concerned about the strain on the electric grid. What else have they done in the state of California that has caused them to be concerned about the electric grid because there's a massive amount of a, a additional strain onto the electric grid? I'm trying to remember what they've been trying to implement here, what they were doing, a couple of different policies, honestly. But what have they been trying to do in the state of California? Was it get rid of cow farts because that was bad for the environment i mean yes but i don't know if that really did anything oh wait a second that's right maybe it was the war on oil and coal and natural gas the push for green energy and then at the same time with the push for green energy the forcing of the state to go electric vehicle with the evs because they banned any type of gasoline vehicle to be sold in the state by like 2030 or 2040 with this massive push for the electric vehicle so let me get this straight during a record heat in the state of california when more individuals are plugging their vehicles in to charge their vehicles with their evs because that's the way the state wants them to go permanently because you're not going to be allowed to buy an oil vehicle here soon in the state then it's straining the electric grid and now they're concerned about widespread rolling blackouts Interesting. So now you have the double whammy. Now you have the green energy trying to produce the energy for the individuals and the electric vehicles that consume more. And while the uh, alternative energies aren't producing quite as high of an efficiency as what the other types are, now we have more of a strain on the grid and you're having to deal with rolling blackouts. In a first world country where we are the most efficient in our energy usage in the entire world. And yes, I will repeat that for the other side of the aisle that just blew, their minds blew right now because they're so angry at me with the steam coming out, creating their own uh, uh, regional global warming. Yes, while we may consume more energy compared to other nations in the world, we are also the most efficient in usage of energy compared to other nations in the entire world, largely because of our technology and largely because of us being able to utilize natural gas, coal, gasoline, everything else that we use because the con- the companies want to make sure that it's at a cheap rate for consumers to use and it's efficient enough for it want- for us to want to spend the money to use that type of energy. How did they avert a crisis? Because they didn't have the rolling blackouts. And for the media, 
they praise that, which is why you see the headlines. Because if they did have rolling blackouts, they wouldn't be talking about this very much because it would really go against their entire narrative that you can plug your vehicle into the electric grid and still be able to maintain during an extreme heat wave. The reason that they're even mentioning this as a success for California is because they openly chose to reserve and have conservation of their energy, meaning individuals openly sought to say, you know what, I'm going to turn off my AC during the triple-digit weather. You know what, I'm not going to turn on my lights tonight. You know what, I'm not going to turn on my AC tonight. You know what, I'm not going to plug in my EV car tonight because we're trying to conserve because I don't want to have a rolling blackout. People chose to conserve their energy, averting the crisis, and now Democrats in California as a state is hailing it as a success where they can do both because a lot of people shut off their lights for the evening. According to the L.A. Times, at 8 p.m., California independent system operators downgraded their level three alert, the final step before calling for rolling blackout, saying consumer conservation played a major part in protecting electric grid reliability. They're openly admitting that the only way they got through it was by people conserving and not turning on their AC as high as they usually do and not turning on their lights in the middle of the day or the middle of the night. That's the only way they got through it. Not because it's efficient, not because it works, not because that the EV cars don't consume a lot, because people chose not to turn on their their AC or turn on their lights. Meaning that if the status quo sat right now, the only way the electric rig in California will maintain is if the temperatures in California remain stagnant and don't change. What are they saying that's happening in the world right now? Climate change and global warming, meaning the climate's changing, meaning now we can't rely on a steady, consistent temperature to us not strain the electric grid one way or the other. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You are darn right it is. Welcome back into the program here. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome. We love you to death. Thanks for hanging out with us today. California electric vehicles, the strain on the grid. While they try to claim victory here, that California averts a crisis. Yeah, we didn't avert the crisis. You made people turn off your air conditioners when it was 105 degrees outside in the state of California. And then you said that it was a success by converting to green energy while plugging in electric vehicles into a system that's now less efficient because of the green energy that you have in the state of, in the state of California. You don't need four football fields or the solar panels to try and uh, be able to power a half a block of a city of San Francisco. That's what we call inefficiency. It doesn't work that way, but that's what they're praising as a success because they didn't have. That's the level that we've set. The standard that we've set for ourselves is, hey, we didn't have rolling blackouts and had to forcefully turn off power to different homes across the state of California. That to them is a success. That's that's the standard that we put ourselves. We always joke about how it's good enough for government work, right? You hear that uh, for construction jobs. Eh, It's good enough for government work, and you just go about your day when it's half done. Yeah, that's the level that we've set. Not raising the bar, saying, say, hey, we're going to make things so efficient that we're going to lower prices for everybody because we have an abundance of energy because it's so freaking awesome and so efficient that it's going to work for everybody. That's not the level that we're at anymore. 
That's not the level that we've tried to uh, excel to. Now it's, hey, as long as we didn't have to forcefully turn off power because people willingly did it on their own accord, that's what saved our bacon this time, and that's why we're actually moving forward here. (laughs) I hope this is a wake-up call for many states that are advocating for this. Here in Kansas, where I'm at, they have just announced that they're building a warehouse or some kind of factory where they're going to be building battery uh, batteries for the vehicles, the vehicle batteries for the EVs. And I don't want it in my state. I just don't care. There are other opportunities that we can do to try and do energy-saving things. We can actually create efficient energy usages, and it's not through the green energy movement right now. It's not through the government forcefulness and the grants that they're trying to force through the government. It's not this uh, Inflation Reduction Act that was the Green New Deal that we laughed at. We laughed at it. You remember when they first talked about that? The Republicans laughed at the Green New Deal bill that was proposed by AOC. And while it's a watered-down version of the bill, it's still the same damn bill. Not only did they laugh at it, the Senate, after AOC proposed the Green New Deal a couple of years ago, and it was a shock and awe because how radical the bill actually was by overhauling the entire energy system in the entire nation, the Republicans, Mitch McConnell, put it on the Senate floor to mock it for them to vote on it, and even the Senate co-signers of the bill, including Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, they didn't even vote on the bill because it was so absurd, and they didn't want their name attached to it, even though they were co-authors of the bill. They didn't vote for it. Now, it's signed into law as the Inflation Reduction Act. And while we're forcing everything into the Green New Deal, we're praising ourselves and patting ourselves on the back, not because things are getting better and more efficient, but because we barely made it through a heat wave in California without having to forcefully turn off the power with blackouts. (laughs) That's how bad things have actually gotten. So if that's the level of success that we have for Democrats that we just skimmed through with our hide and we barely made it without having to force anything bad, then I guess that's good. I guess that's a good way for us to go. And as long as the, the climate and the temperatures never change which they say is obviously always going to happen, and it is going always going to happen because climate always changes, whether it's man-made, created, or not. Climate will always change, but to them, apparently, if it goes a little bit higher or a little bit colder, then we're going to be in the dire straits to potentially shut off your power because the energy grid can't handle it. It's got to be perfect right where it is, and it can never change. The party that says they're all about change and all about evolution and all about progress, they sure don't show a whole lot of progress, and they don't like a whole lot of change because they can't even handle a couple of degrees warmer without them potentially shutting down their entire power grid. That's the level of stupid that we're at here while they continue their war against coal and natural gas and oil. When we come back around the corner, Mark Morano, The Great Reset is his new book. We'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, we'll get his thoughts on the death of the queen. Does it really matter, and does that tie into The Great Reset and the takeover with this new great reset plan that the elites have in society all that and more coming up see here the voice of reason with andy hoosier when reason meets radio you're listening to the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, y'all. Welcome back into the program. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the show. We always love you to death and appreciate you very, very much. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. The 
California energy shortage is definitely an interesting one. We have some others we'll get to in a little bit here as well. Some former stand-up, or I don't even know if they're stand-up, former comedians trying to take some jabs at Donald Trump again and Republicans. Democrats backing Joe Biden after the ridiculous, absurd speech from last week. We'll get to all that and more here in just a bit as well. But I want to shift gears just a little bit. And I guess it's appropriate for what some of the big news that's happening today in our latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Today. I am super excited to have on the program. He is author of the new book, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown. Excited to have on here Mark Morano with us here. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy. Thank you for having me on. It is great to chat with you. What a day to have you on here after the news that we just heard a few hours ago with the Queen Elizabeth II dying in the UK, the taking over of the who, King Charles III, I, I guess is who it is taking over now. Um, as we talk about elites and we talk about lockdowns, I mean, the mainstream media has completely stopped talking about anything else and has gone 24-7 covering the UK. I mean, while I give my condolences and the fact that they're an ally and that she has been the longest monarch, outside of that, I stopped caring in 1776. I don't know why this is such a great deal here for mainstream media here in the country. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was even scheduled. I was scheduled for cable news tonight. They oh, sorry, we're doing all Queens coverage. I mean, it's incredible. I, I guess there's just a certain element of Americans who never understand the fascination with royalty. Although it seems like a lot of people love following royal weddings and all that, but I don't, I just, you know, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I've been, the, the, the key thing here as it relates to politics, though, is this King, uh, what is actually going to be? Uh, King Charles III, you say? Uh, King George even... III, which is weird because he's got like three names. So according to them, he has, he could have chose any of his names, according to the BBC, where he, his name was Charles Philip Arthur George, and he chose to go with King Charles III. That's kind of confusing for people who know him as uh, you know, Prince Charles. Okay, I guess not too confusing. Prince Charles III. Okay, well, what I was going to say is, as it relates to what's happening in our world today, I'm going to say it right, King Charles III is a huge advocate of the Great Reset and the world economic form and the dystopian new normal and the climate agenda, which has brought England to the brink of energy collapse. So he doesn't have a great start, i got to tell you that. <laughs> well, it just shows the direction that they're going, which they've been you know, slowly going that direction for a long time. But, and I don't know much about U.K. politics, but I do know that, like you said, I mean, they're going to be advocating for really the same agenda that we have here. And, Mark, I mean, you've seen this with this great reset. Let's go back in time before we talk about some of the, late, the current events here. But when did this great reset really start here in the country? Well, I mean, I, in the book, I go back to 1913 in America with Woodrow Wilson's uh, this an ideology that was born in 1913. It's called the administrative state. And the idea was Wilson and his advisors were trying to basically say that we can't leave the unwashed masses uh, of people to decide lives for themselves. We need credentialed experts to rule people and tell them what they can and can't do. And then we can have politics. People can play around with you know, democracy, but the real power will be in the unelected bureaucracy. So Woodrow Wilson tried to set this up. And then in the book, I go to the FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1932. One of his kitchen cabinet advisors came up with a plan that was eerily similar to the Great Reset. His name was Stuart Chase. He wrote a 1932 book where he talked about government controlling energy, government controlling information, government controlling agriculture and food. And he lays out this vision in the chilling line. And this 1932 book says, why should the Soviets have all the fun remaking the world? 
Now, if you remember, at the time, this was when the New York Times was winning Pulitzers for their great coverage of how heroic Joseph Stalin was in transforming Russia and his agricultural reforms. So there was a, there was a, on the intellectual left, there was this fascination with the central planning going on in, in Russia. So if you fast forward, that strain never really left America. In fact, if you go back to like the overpopulation, the, the, the overpopulation, uh, the, the, the myth of, the overpopulation by Paul Ehrlich, his book in the 1960s, he proposed many of the same things uh, in terms of central planning. In fact, the, the 1970s global cooling scare sounded like an early Green New Deal. It's all about passing power to the central planners. So what happened was COVID hit here in America, emergency declaration, America was shut down. The World Economic Forum in Davos, which was founded in 1971 by Klaus Schwab, a big corporatist global uh, figure, literally gave a speech two months after COVID lockdowns and said, this is a narrow rear window of opportunity by which we can reset the world, this time in the name of climate change. And all the forces went. Every political leader in the West, including Al Gore, John Kerry, Joe Biden, Boris Johnson, all the European leaders, all began talking about the Great Reset and the Build Back Better. And with that, the idea has become that we're going to remake society, and this has accelerated the energy collapse we have. It's accelerated now the agricultural collapse. It's accelerating our transportation collapse with the bans on gas-powered cars. It's accelerated the collapse of the First Amendment with government-corporate collusion silencing us, just like the 1932 Roosevelt advisor was laid out. So it's an amazing parallel. But the difference between this is always a shadowy concept in the background, whereas now, unfortunately, we're watching it unfold between our eyes, and it's all because COVID-19 lockdowns and the fear that virus conditioned us to accept these radical advances of state power. Yeah, we didn't realize how much power they actually had, even at the local level, until all this ended up taking effect. The sad part is that it almost seems like the dominoes fell right into place the way they needed to. During the 2020 presidential election, even before the COVID-19 pandemic stuff actually hit, we had Bernie Sanders out there, which he's always been, obviously, the socialist wanting the centralized power, wanting that elite ruling class to kind of dominate everything. He was talking about fulfilling the Great New Deal that FDR had and wanting to finally, finally complete it because the socialists were getting antsy on actually, instead of doing the slow, long haul that they've done for the last few decades, they wanted to finally finish it. And Bernie Sanders gave that speech on the campaign trail wanting to complete the agenda of FDR. And then shortly after COVID-19 hits, they talk about this great new reset, and now everything's falling into place for them. And uh, they've been giddy for this opportunity, it seems like, for a long time. Well, they have. Two points on that. It's important to mention 9-11 in this, because 9-11, terrorist attack, brought the terrorism emergency, which then set up Homeland Security and the Patriot Act, which then set up the surveillance of American citizens and the idea of more government intrusion. That's an important step in this Great Reset direction. COVID, of course, brought it much further. And, of course, Joe Biden is set to declare a national climate emergency, which will give him and governors, mayors, 130 executive powers that they can bypass democracy with. And that's the key phrase. This is the Chinification of America. I detail in the book how everyone from uh, uh, Justin Trudeau to New York Times columnists to U.N. chiefs to American presidential uh, administrations have praised China's one-party rule. There's no messiness of democracy. They can get things done. Uh, In the case of Justin Trudeau, he actually 
praised it, saying he had great admiration for China's leaders and their concern about climate change. So what happened was COVID emergency powers in the lockdowns gave the once free West leaders the power of China, one party rule, and they don't want to give it up. In the words of Jane Fonda, COVID was God's gift to the left. And that's where we are today. What's the next step for them in the last few minutes that we have here? What is the next step? Now we've passed, they're, they're trying to ram through the student loan forgiveness, trying to cripple the economy financially. Yeah. They are passed, they passed this Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't do anything about inflation, but it's the watered-down version of the Green New Deal focusing on energy. We just read the, la- the first half hour of the show about the energy crisis in California, them hailing it as a success, not because things are so efficient, but because they averted a rolling blackout with the extreme heat. That's the bar we've set for ourselves yeah. here. So what is the next step for them, and what what could we see down the road here if they continue? Well, you know, they're collapsing our energy supply. They're intentionally collapsing our agricultural supply. Look at the Netherlands. It's happening in Canada, Australia. They're now collapsing our transportation system. They've collapsed the First Amendment. So next, they're going to continue to collapse uh, the economy, and they're going to continue to create chaos. And the idea of this is, and Vladimir Lenin explained it very well in, in Tsarist Russia when he was doing the Bolshevik Revolution, He said, the worse, the better, or worse is better. In other words, the more chaos and calamity you can create in society, the better chance you have for government emergency powers to take over. So what I think is coming next, because of the collapse of energy, food, transportation, they're going to now say, well, look at what's happening here. Only the government can save us. Private industry failed. They're going to try to nationalize transportation, car business. They're going to try to nationalize our energy grid. There's already been major advances toward that. And they're going to try to naturalize, nationalize our food production. This is all part of essentially a seizure of control by government, by the elites. And this is, this is ultimately where they want to go. And, of course, if we go to protest, they've already seized our First Amendment by outsourcing it to big tech in a corporate government collusion. They're violating our First Amendment by claiming they're not because it's private industry doing it. Meanwhile, they're sending the names of people and websites to ban, and private industry is saying, okay, what's next? We have now the emails to prove it. Yeah, exactly. we got about 30 seconds left here before we have to take a hard break and wrap things up. But can we stop it? We had the Supreme Court decision that kind of stopped some of the powers from the EPA consuming things. We have Republicans that hopefully should get a majority in Congress. But in about 30 seconds or so, can we stop this in the next election? And What should we look for? Well, no, not the next election, but we need to fight this at every level. In the book, I have a chapter called The Great Reject, and it starts with parents at school boards fighting. I'm very disappointed in the national Republican leadership. They don't get it. They don't get the COVID lockdowns. They don't get what's going to happen under a climate emergency. They're flying blind. We need to, we need to demand the Republican Party fight for us at, at this point. That's what it's all about. Mark Moreno, The Great Reset, Global Elites in the Permanent Lockdown. You can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on his website and his tweety as well at climatedepot.com. Mark, we got to get you back on the show brother i'd love to chat again thank you very much appreciate it hey appreciate that lots more to get to here we'll take a break when we come back we'll break some of that down and get your thoughts on the latest that's going on here all coming up for a pre-friday celebration here on the voice of reason stay here the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today here on the program. Thanks again to Mark Morano coming on the show. The Great Reset. Highly recommend you check out that book. 
Who's behind the Great Reset? What's the agenda? What can we look forward to or not look forward to? And how can we stop it? That's what it's all about, and it's kind of important for us to pay attention to some of that. So we appreciate him coming on the show and doing that. We'll talk more about that as time goes on. Which, speaking of, I mean, can you imagine the Great Reset for them finding an opportunity? That takes the whole, you know, never let a crisis go to waste thing to an entirely new level. Hey, a major global crisis happened, which I still question on whether it needed to be as much of a crisis as it actually was. Lock things down, force people to wear the mask, self-isolate, you know, do the virtual to your 96-year-old grandma who, you know, if the queen passes, we have 24-7 broadcasting for the mainstream media. If your grandma dies in a nursing home and you can't physically be there because of COVID-19, then that's totally okay. Totally cool. Doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, that's the Great Reset. They see this opportunity. Let's push the Green New Deal. Let's push all these lockdowns. They tested the waters, and we fell right for it, and now they're thinking, what else can we get along with, and how can we take things to the next level? And as uh, Mark mentioned, many times they've attacked the financial industry. They've attacked our food supply. They've attacked our energy supply. They've attacked our First Amendment and Second Amendment. We have now, last week, the Biden administration really saying that half of the nation, nearly 75 million Trump voters, are what they call, quote-unquote, domestic terrorists. That's what they're calling us. We are domestic terrorists because we question the status quo. We distrust the federal government and all of its agencies, which, why? come on, man, why can't you just blindly get along and follow all of them? Why can't you just support every one of those government agencies? They are there to help you. How dare you question their authority? And now when you do, you are the enemy of the state and they're going to come after you. So we have now, according to Fox News, Democrats that instead of shying away from Joe Biden after that speech, they're embracing it. Imagine that being your campaign platform for a second. You have someone that says, hey, if you're not on board with our agenda, you are the enemy of us. Not just the enemy of the party, not just the enemy of our ideas. Sure, I'm the enemy. I am the Democrat and progressive and liberal enemy. I am your enemy ideologically not as a human being not going to try and go and assassinate not going to try and harm you not going to go and punch you in the face and break your nose none of that because we're civil individuals now if you try and do that to us i have a concealed carry waiting for you because that's the way we do it we make sure that we don't get taken advantage of but we don't go out looking for trouble but the other side you're not just an enemy politically. You are an enemy as a human being, and we will eliminate you and make sure that you are not part of us any longer. Democrats, as a campaign for the midterms, are not shying away from the absurd, ridiculous, crazy uh, Joe Biden speech from last week. They are embracing it. Fox News, Senate Democrats have backed Biden's portrayal of MAGA Republicans as threats to democracy. As many have come out, uh, Ben Cardin from Minnesota, I believe, uh, said, I certainly agree that those that have denied the legitimacy of the last election or call the insurrection of January 6th anything other than what it was, I think they are running a risk to our democratic institutions. Ron Wyde from Oregon. Quote, he's made it very clear that what he's talking about is the fact that there are regrettably uh, regret." regrettably movement, I think that's a typo there, in the country that are challenging the validity of the right of our citizens to vote. None of that's true. That's a bunch of, uh, as Joe Biden says, malarkey. But they're now embracing. If you don't go along with the status quo, you are the problem with society. It's been taken to the next level, though. And shamed comedian, who's not a comedian any longer, who has been a uh, failed comedian for a very long time, but yet tries to keep her face out there. Remember the one that had the uh, decapitated head of Trump, Kathy Griffin. And after that, then she played the victim and cried because how dare she get so much heat 
and hate from posting a picture of a decapitated head of Trump, thinking it as a joke, and then wondering why there was backlash of her having a photo op of a decapitated head of a president of the United States. How could you possibly think that's not just a gag or a gimmick or a joke? That's the crap that she does. Well, now she's trying to play the victim again for a tweet that she said, quote, if you don't want a civil war, vote for Democrats in November. If you do want civil war, vote Republican. In other words, reiterating, either go along with this or we will eliminate you. If you vote for Republicans and if Republicans take control again, then Democrats will rise up and create the civil war because we will never be ruled under Republican control because they're evil, they're horrible, they're MAGA supporters, they're the deplorables, they're the worst, most violent, radical organization in American history, and we will start a civil war because we'll never be under their rule again. Sounds like the nice lovey-dovey get-along group, right? While they blame us for being the violent ones clinging to our guns and Bibles. This is the stupidity we got to deal with, but yet we're going to roll you. We will crush you down as the progressives that you are and eliminate your ideology, metaphorically speaking, because it's really stupid. That does it for us today. Back at it tomorrow for a Friday. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.